Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, happy new year and welcome to the media podcast. I'm Ollie Mann. On today's show, it is our bumper 2019 predictions special. We, as ever, invite our roster of industry insiders to reveal their trends for the year ahead in TV, radio, print and online. 2018 was a big one with another new culture secretary and the sale of Sky to Comcast. But what do our guests think 2019 has in store? I'll be joined by many of our regulars, including Faraz Osman, Rebecca Gilley, Steve Ackerman and more. It's all to come on today's edition of The Media Podcast. And joining me first is Jake Cantor, Executive Editor of Business Insider, and Stephen D. Wright, MD of Kerfuffle TV. Hello. 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 Happy New Year. And to, yeah, when do you stop saying Happy New Year? Is it okay to keep saying I, it now? No, I've stopped saying it now. I'm never going to say it again. <laughs> January 10th, 11th. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's always good to say it. I mean, it's a nice thing to say. Well, the thing <laughs> is, if you work on the basis that it's the first time you see someone in the new year, that's, yeah, that's fine true. unless you only see someone quarterly. And then <laughs> in March, it's wrong, right? Yeah. yeah. It's starting to fade now, that whole Christmas sort of whatever. Oh. The depressing January blues are, are, are coming in now. And on that note, what's <laughs> what's <laughs> exciting projects are in store for Kerfuffle this year, Stephen? Uh, I don't know, bankruptcy, debtors' prison, the usual. <laughs> or They all sound like Channel 5 format titles. That's true. <laughs> if anyone's listening, I have written that treatment up already. <laughs> and uh, Jake, a business insider, what's the gus? Things are good, yeah. Uh, we turned a profit for the first time last year, and uh, business is very healthy. You interested um, in buying an independent production company? Yeah, I've got, I know one. <laughs> <laughs> well, not saying no. We, yeah, I mean, we're, we're doing lots of video work, but um, mainly in house, which yeah. uh, I'm sure Stephen probably hears quite a lot. <laughs> people are getting a yeah. lot better at that now, aren't they? You know, people who aren't uh, video natives, if you like, are getting a lot better at creating video content. You That's, mean they're learning the secrets of telly and yeah, taking I, I our suppose that is what I mean. It's not just people who have studied journalism being given a camera anymore. Yeah. It's people who all along have known if they're going to be on the internet, they're going to have to do audio and video and well, writing. Online video is changing quite dramatically at the moment. In fact, in the last few months, um, we've had to move away from doing very short, pithy viral videos to actually properly telling stories. Mm -hmm. And that's been a learning curve for us as a newsroom. And is that actually about the fact that people want stories generally from websites that they go to to get their news if they're not going to be one of the big news brands? I think it's a combination of that. Yeah, definitely audience demand. But I also think that uh, platforms like Facebook are trying to move away from uh, sort of throwaway viral 
hits and more towards you know turning the dial up on telling stories, giving uh, their users a more sort of rewarding, fulfilling experience. So then if you're looking for case studies, basically, then that is closer to making a teleprogram, isn't it? Definitely. Isn't, isn't it just, yeah. It's like, well, it's old-fashioned journalism, old-fashioned professionalism. Yeah. I think um, this is the problem. If you look on, if, you, if you're online a lot, you see a lot of rubbish and people are starting to see almost instantly. You get a click on it, you're turning this off. You, you know, that so, so our sort of bullshit factor or whatever it is, filter, I should say, really, is stronger now. So people are looking for good stories. They're looking for real, real things, which is essentially what TV used to be. So maybe, I don't know, maybe TV's all going to become online. That's... Possibly, I mean, we you can't get away with a, a catchy hook shot and, and yeah. a minute of fluff. Yeah. It has to have a beginning, middle, and end mm-hmm. now. Right. Uh, we Did are we have a beginning, a middle, and an end of this <laughs> no, show? We, it started. <laughs> we're, we're right, we've done the beginning. I've heard the middle. Yes. The big finish is up to you. Okay. Think about it. Uh, <laughs> before I ask you for your predictions for the year ahead, it's always fun with Jake, by the way, Stephen, because he always makes big, bold predictions mm. and I get to hold him to them. Um, let's discuss some top stories of the past week or so. Uh, and the big new breakfast radio shows are gearing up for launch. I guess that's the big thing, isn't it? Chris Evans on Virgin, notably. Um, they've done something clever with their advertising, haven't they? Yes, well, it, it's not going to have any advertising. I yeah, think that's, that's the, the clever, clever thing. thing. Uh, yeah, it's all going to be sponsored and uh, sort of packaged up by Sky, uh, which is a, a really interesting way of approaching things. I mean, I think you know, it's clear that they're trying to lure over some of Chris's Radio 2 listeners and... Perhaps one of the best ways of doing that is by removing those nasty adverts. Mm. Um, but you know, I'm sure Sky will want its money's worth. There'll be plenty of mentions of Sky. I'm mm. sure they'll be sponsoring features on the show and events and things like that. So it will. It, it won't feel like the Radio Two show if that's if that's what some listeners are hoping. It's, I suppose previous case studies tell us that when you take a BBC thing and move it over to anything commercial, that's the thing the audience are most worried about, isn't it? The insertion of ads. We saw this with. Uh, the cricket going to talk sport even though i think talk sport didn't actually play any ads whilst cricket was in play there was this feeling of well it's not like test match special there's a weird thing about when you leave the bbc that it you go to a commercial channel it feels lesser and i don't know why it's happened on a lot of big name transfers jonathan ross to itv or or when the, when the one Durham. show went to, to you know and the, it, you know it's it's just a, it's, it's something that's intangible really so whether or not this is going to happen with Chris Evans, I honestly don't know. It's, it's, I, I feel very suspicious of this no advertising. It's going to be all just like it was. and It can't be. You know what I mean? It will feel different. It will feel, you know, I, 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 you know, I, I like the idea of no advertising, if such a thing can exist, but I don't believe in it. I wonder as well with the music policy whether they'll stick as rigidly to the Virgin playlist as they do the rest of the day. Because I, I listen to Virgin actually, and it's basically for people like me, you know, white people who are coming up to forty. That's kind of it sounds <laughs> like my iPod, but I'm not sure that Radio Two translated onto Virgin would sound like that. You know, Chris Evans had license to play all sorts of weird stuff. So I've got a I've got a confession. I, I don't listen to Radio Two or Virgin, so oh. it's <laughs> it's difficult for me to, to talk about the music. I don't know. I think it's interesting that they are uh, that Rupert Murdoch and Wireless have spent money on Chris Evans and. Uh, you know, it's clearly um, a, a, a bit of a statement of intent of what they're trying to achieve. And you imagine possibly a bit of a loss leader initially mm. in, in terms of what they're trying to, to achieve. Yeah. I mean, if yeah. you see the numbers crunched, it would have to go for years, wouldn't it? I mean, what's going to happen, though, is like he'll finish at, say, 10 o'clock and then suddenly it's ad, 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 ad. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? So <laughs> the rest if of the you are a, just yeah, If no you're program. a listener, you've, you know, you've bought into it, right, I'm going to listen to Chris on Virgin. 
oh, hang on, it's 10 o'clock, I'm turning this off. Or, or, you know, will it be that much of a chop and change, you know? But it's a, it feels like a reasonably exciting time for commercial radio, I think. Yes. With the money being pumped in by Murdoch and you know, glue, Global seems in reasonable health. I mean, I've just checked out their accounts for last year, actually, and you know, their revenues were up by £5 million to about £30 million. So, you know, it's, you know, things are in reasonable shape, I would say. And from a customer point of view, like as a punter who probably thinks Virgin Radio is owned by the same people that own Virgin Media, it's a bit confusing, isn't it, that Sky are sponsoring the Virgin show? I wonder whether initially the package was created for Virgin Media or whether Murdoch couldn't bring himself to offer it to them. That's a good point. I don't I don't know I don't know if people think about things in that sort of those sort of granular terms. I don't know, maybe because we're switched on media. But then why is the Virgin Radio brand <laughs> worth anything at all if well, it isn't Virgin? Exactly. I mean I only use it for the trains. That's not a benchmark, is it, of no. success? <laughs> I, I can give a big thumbs up I mean, to the Virgin we, Wine we, Boxes, we, by the way. Should we debate whether or not Zoe's going to wipe the floor with him? Less. Let's. Because to me, that's the, that's the big risk, not the advert, not, not the playlist, anything. It's whether Zoe Ball will just soak up that listenership straight away and they won't even think to move, you know what I mean? To me, it looks like Chris is going to peel back to this, because Chris came from commercial radio, was very much an iconoclast back in the day, Will it? Will he just be getting those audiences more passionately rather than the old Radio Two ad ad free audience that are supposedly all going to you know turn over? I think Zoe's going to going to storm it. I really do. What do you think, Jake? Well, it's, he's never going to be able to compete with the clout of Radio Two, mm. no matter how hard he tries. I don't think, and it'll be interesting to see. I mean, obviously, when he took over from Terry Wogan, he he grew the audience to a record high. It started to tail off a bit in his in his last uh, you know few years, I don't know, years, months, perhaps. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if Zoe can increase the audience again. But also, I mean, the British press and the public love it, especially when someone very rich and showy mm. flops, don't they? And we've seen this Best with Chris Evans ever. going to Top Gear. Yeah. You know, actually, although his Radio 2 show is really popular, there's obviously this desire in the public to perceive him as a failure in some way, to, to tell this narrative. I, to me, I think it's, it's Chris Evans, is, is, is he a monster or is he a genius? And it's that barometer of this, because he, he is a genius, but he's also monstrous. And if he becomes too loud, too, and he, the, the dial goes to monster, and then people switch off. So that's what I'm with Top Gear. He went to Top Gear, he, he was king of all media at that point, and the madness started. You know, <laughs> and then it went back to the bad old days. If he, you know, when he was on radio, when he was just on radio, he's a purist, genius, iconoclast. And it's that thing of don't, you know, don't, don't, don't reach for the skies, just be so good that you become unmissable. But there is a feeling that like all the cards have been thrown in the air with Breakfast Radio. And I mean, some listeners might be listening to this thinking, this is the media podcast, why are you talking about radio and Breakfast Radio so specifically? But it's a huge thing, isn't it? Because yeah. it makes money for these stations, the listeners stay all day. And in the past few years, we've seen this big shake-up. We're going to have Lauren Laverne on Six Music. Um, we've got a female hosting a talk show in the form of Julia Hartley Brewer. Uh, Greg, James. Greg James. Greg James. Who I love. Uh, Tom I and Daisy now on Kiss. <laughs> Um, Ronan Keating on Magic. Oh, I mean, there's all these great. new people coming in, which who weren't part of the the mix just a few years ago. Well, it's a good time to be a listener if you're if you're you know undecided about where you're going to uh, to to turn the dial to in the morning. Then you've got lots of choice. Personally, my votes with Greg James. I think he's already doing I'm a fantastic. Team Zoe job. all the way, <laughs> and none of us are mentioning Chris Moyles, which is interesting. That's isn't it? true because it was <laughs> such a big acquisition. Um, speaking of which, gossip is Simon Mayo talking about drive time now will go to smooth. That's what everyone in the industry has been saying forever, and yet it's still not public knowledge. It's still a case of Simon Mayo saying he's got a radio show, but he's not saying where. Uh, so I have no inside knowledge. Maybe he's going to Virgin as well. Who knows? 
Well, I mean, you know, if you're going to do something as big as ad-free for Chris Evans, you'd think that you're going to try and do something for the rest of the schedule. That's that's why do, why go mad for the, the the breakfast slot and then leave everything else up in the air, or why not go completely nuts and rebrand the whole the whole channel? Let's go back onto territory that's more your home turf, Stephen. Yeah, and that is uh, TV, particularly. <laughs> objectionable television. Yes. <laughs> so we've got a story here about the most complained about TV of 2018. Tell yes. us what's on it. The obvious one is is the, which is a great thing is with Celebrity Big Brother, with the uh, the disgraceful behaviour of uh, East, of uh, Emmerdale star Roxanne Pallet and Ryan Thomas, mm-hmm. and the so-called dig in the ribs or whatever it was that turned into a whole kind of Me Too feminist emancipation. Manipulation, media horror. Twenty-seven thousand complaints Absolutely. that got to Ofcom. That built, built, built. I mean, that was that is a substantial number, in. isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, if you were the producer of that, you would actually be. I mean, well, would you? Way. I was about to say concerned. Would you be delighted, really, if you're uh, Big Brother? Celebrity Big Brother will will have been delighted. They will have been worried initially. You know, that first kind of thing where you think, hey, what is going on? Then there would be that kind of panic of, oh, what do we say? What do we do? Is she is she is she a nutcase? You know, can we say that she's a woman? Maybe he did do this. They, you know, they, their, their initial reaction from the producer's perspective was to pull him out and to blame him, which, of course, went, inflamed the situation even more. So now, you know, months later, it, it just seems completely ridiculous. It was Well, it's like, you know, footballers falling for, in, in a dive and that kind of thing. That's what she was doing in a reality TV way. But because of the slight female battering aspect, that's what made it so dark and so horrible. You know, I mean, if it, it, it is weird now when you think about it, you know, and that they, the Celebrity Big Brother did initially go on her side and it was the viewers that went incandescent with rage. And if you look, Jake, at this list, um, so that episode from Celebrity Big Brother had 27,000 complaints. Then you had an on-air argument between Colleen Nolan and Kim Woodburn on Loose Women, got 8,000 complaints. But actually, by the time you get to number 10 in the chart, you're looking at the X Factor, got 286 complaints. That's not very much, is it? I mean... Do people really bother complaining to Ofcom? We, we hear a lot about, you know, the audience is up in arms. A lot of people say things on social media, but if 286 people complaining to Ofcom makes it the 10th most complained about show of the year, that's it's not that I many, think I think Ofcom complaints are, often, are often blown out of proportion by the press. Mm. And, I mean, they're a useful tool to, to beat broadcasters and, and talent with. Um, so I'm not surprised that you see, uh, you know, throwaway headlines about uh, complaints. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, twenty—I mean, twenty-seven thousand—that's a—that's a genuine issue. Yeah. Um, and I do wonder for Channel Five. I mean, obviously, they've t- taken the decision to 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 axe Big Brother. Uh, I sort of think they'll miss that buzz a little bit. Mm-hmm. They've got nothing in the schedule that will match that. I don't think. But then again, Ben Frow wants to take the take the channel a bit more up market. So perhaps is that's that the, the reason? Or- yeah, because I I, we, I don't remember us actually discussing this at the time. I think it's because we were on our extended break over the summer when it happened. But Celebrity Big Brother was a ratings winner, did get talked about a lot. Civilian Big Brother had become boring and dull and people weren't watching it. Why didn't they just keep the celebrity one? Is it just not cost effective or could probably you not really part You probably of it? can't get one without the other, I yeah. would have thought. Because I would have thought Channel 5 would have gone for Celebrity Big Brother. Yeah. Because it's, it's an event TV. Civilian Big Brother you know, has to be rested for a while. But then that suggests that the production company intent on keeping the two formats closely aligned are doing themselves... A disservice. Yeah, because they're not going to be getting any... I mean, no one's bought Big Brother, have they, in the UK? Mm, it's just not on. Yeah. I mean, Endemol would probably hope that they could get it away somewhere. 
I don't think we've seen the end of Big Brother. Oh, that prediction. Be, uh, prediction. <laughs> prediction. When are we going to see That's Big not Brother? an official prediction. When's but Big Brother coming back to our scheme? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. That was, uh, literally, just that's just plucked from the Look top of my head. But I don't, I don't think, I don't think we've seen the end of it. He doesn't know he's doing it. The, but in an age where Love Island can like absolutely storm it for ITV2, there's mm. still a place for these reality shows. And I actually thought, interestingly, with Love Island, that was one of the most complained about shows as well. I think... Um, the, the the complaint centred on uh, Danny Dyer. Female Danny uh, Dyer. And um, <laughs> the fact that she thought that her love interest in the in the Love Island uh, villa was uh, was seeing this other girl. And uh, it was one of the few moments in the show where you really, really felt the producer's hand. It was a, a bit of a producer's stunt. Mm. And I think it was... The audience responded to it very angrily, and that's why you saw so many complaints. But I think you're seeing that, that you know that show, although is obviously very heavily contrived, there are fewer stunts than there have been traditionally in in more recent episodes of uh, series of Big Brother. And I think that lighter touch is what audiences want to see more of. Yeah, do you think about that as a producer, Stephen? God, yeah. I mean, it's one of the big problems with all those shows is how do you keep it fresh and dynamic? Because what you're trying to do is create a real dramatic narrative based on reality you know are they falling in love are they cheating on each other are they talking behind each other's back etc you know that's the that's a soap opera you know but you can't create that straight away you have to let that grow so there's all that sort of you know when I did X on the beach it was that thing of you know your ex came out of the sea Mm. oh my god the jealousy Um, you know or just you know or if they're not feeling jealousy you put them with somebody to create the jealousy so you have to do something initially but hopefully, once that starts to work, that's when you get TV gold. But if not, then it's like, what, what can we think of? How can we reinvent it? Can we do? It? Now that's what that's what happened with Big Brother. You know, when it's not happening, there's a stunt every night, mm. and there's too many stunts. And then, and, and the audience are jaded. They, you know, we've seen every variant now, and it's it, it really it's not that it's, that it's it'll never work again. It's stop it for a while and then bring it back. That's all they need to do. Love Island went away and then came back. Yeah, that's you know, it, Love Island went away as a sort of a flop. You know, X on the Beach came out. They went, oh, hang on, let's just do it in a little bit more sexy way. Brought it back, bang. You know, that's Big Brother could be the big hit in five years' time, say, two years' time even. Definitely. Just depends on resting show. I mean, Dancing on Ice is another example. Well, exactly. A show going away and coming back. I mean, it hasn't. I don't think it's quite matched the success that it once had, but mm. it, it has a freshness that it, it, it didn't have when it was, uh, you know when it was coming towards the end of its last run. Well, you have effortlessly segued us into the next talking point, which is dancing shows on a Saturday night. We're like professionals here, aren't we? <laughs> uh, specifically, Simon Cowell's newest format on BBC One, The Greatest Dancer. The greatest dancer with me, Cheryl. I can't, I can't wait to hear Stephen's view on this show. Nothing I, to do with pop music it. anymore. I'm all about dance, says Cheryl. What? Since when? I'm an ex-ballerina. Since when, Cheryl? <laughs> Don't you think she looks a bit haunted? Well, Stephen obviously enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> Jake, have you seen the show? I, I did watch some of it. I didn't watch all of it. Was your feeling... I mean, I didn't watch the show because I am not interested in dancing and B, kind of what you were saying before, I feel like I've seen it without having to see it because it's obviously well, just this weird that's the thing. of a million I, different shows. I went in with that, that same view, but it, it did surprise me a bit, actually. It's Why? not... It's, it's well done. It is very well done. It's it's it looks good. However, it's a little bit altogether now, which is the show mm-hmm. where a hundred people vote on you know 
the singer and uh, you know if they get so many votes they stay in so they've they've stolen that device so the and audience votes and they've nicked I mean I, again I've only seen a trailer but is there like a big review where a mirror lifts or something which seems to have been if nicked you get seventy five percent vote yeah the, the the you're dancing in a studio which then opens and you're in a theater so that's nicked off. That Israeli format that yes. never got made Rising by Star. Rising yeah. Star. Yeah. Yes. So there's, a, there's quite a few. So, you know, there's been quite a few formats put in a blender to yeah. make this. And tattoo. And f- there's a bit of tattoo fixes in there because how? they've got, they've yes. got the, the, yeah, receptionist, the receptionist, the comedy receptionist, receptionist girl. Sorry, so, so well, having not seen the show, <laughs> what has a receptionist got to do with a tattoo? Got we, to do with we dancing? We get a whole <laughs> drama of a dancer turns up, walks into a waiting room, speaks to a comedy receptionist, she chats to them. We then get a little bit of VT, backstory, past story, sad story, whatever. They then walk through to dance. Then halfway through the dance, if they've done well, the, the doors open and we're, in the, we're back into the theatre. So it's a it's a it's a, a a very strong mix of several strong format points. How is that like tattoo fixes? So it paisley the uh, yeah paisley, uh, part of the conceit of tattoo fixes is that uh, someone with a terrible terrible tattoo walks into a tattoo parlour and I've speaks seen to the tattoo fixes. <laughs> right, I'm not an idiot. No, but it's 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 the same conceit. Oh, the confessional chat. Yeah, you go in and they they they, they sort of open their heart a bit about how how nervous they are. You can say it's first dates as well. It's It's all it's all fixed rig, isn't it? As well, exactly. Well, okay. So talking first dates, what Channel Four have done is clearly put first dates in a blender with this new Simon Cowell dance show to come up with flirty dancing. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be interesting. The idea sounds very eggy that two a couple will dance, will learn a choreographed dance each without the other and then see whether they can dance together. It sounds awful. The but title people watch that thing where you look at each other's bits before you go on a date. Well, people love that show, naked, don't they? Yes, Naked Attraction. I mean, it's, it, it, it's going to be interesting because it could be genius. It could be. It, it could be this is, this is the magic of dance. It feels to me like a show that's conceived to work on YouTube rather than on telly, though. I'm not. I'm not convinced by this. Mm-hmm. Um, I also uh, like. Forgive me. I don't. I don't think the banjo is a great talent either. Um, so you've got Jordan Banjo, who is on um, the the Greatest Dancer as one of the hosts, and yeah. I think he's Ashley one. He's one banjo of them, and Ashley does. One. Yeah, Ashley does this other show, and I think. Jordan is actually one of the most irritating things about the greatest answer. Mm. He's, you know, there's lots. There's a of lot cut. of presenters and a lot <laughs> yeah. of people. There's a, there's a lot of things going on in the greatest dancer. The biggest problem for me with the dance show is, unlike Strictly, where you follow the narrative across a series and you see people, you know, you see people improve or fail or whatever. You actually see it. With this, you've got tiny snippets of of characters. Mm. Do we care as a viewer? Do we do we believe in that that narrative? Do we, you know no. It's the audition shows at the beginning, so we don't know yet, but that's going to be whether they can take on the, me- the might of, of, of Strictly. It performed pretty solidly, didn't it? It got, it got five million viewers. Uh, Would have been a flop on Saturday uh, night in the old days, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, but not now, not these days. So, Stephen, do you think we're going to be seeing both of these shows this time next year? Don't know. Possibly, I, I think The Greatest Dancer's probably got the money behind it to, to, to get at least a second series. Surely Cal would have tied them down to some multi-series deal or must something. Must have, must yeah. have. And Cheryl would not have signed on for one series, you know, I presume. So I would think that should have a go. Whether or not it will become as loved as Strictly, I don't know. And do you think there is a correlation between people say when the politics and the news is particularly depressing, <laughs> which I think you can uh, objectively say it is at the moment, whatever your stripe, um, people turn to this kind of escapism. You know, Busby yeah. Barkley is what people want Absolutely. When, when the news I mean, is full of shit. You know, nobody, I mean, I just got a load of BAFTA screeners the other day and all I'm looking for is the fun ones. 
you know, so I'm going to be watching Mary Poppins. We want laughs at this point. Well, TV controllers love that that narrative. <laughs> come, well, come, true. come, come for your escapism. And yeah. I, you know, fair enough. But that, I, but listen, that yeah. is Saturday night, though. Yeah, you know, that is the whole thing about Saturday. Night. That's why Saturday night's so important because if you have a good Saturday night, your week is worth something. But um, you know, when the Saturday night show works, it's sort of it, that's why it's such an obsession in the media. If it was Friday night, no one gives a toss. Mm. Sunday night, again, Saturday night somehow defines the week. It's like, Christmas, it's like the Christmas number one. It's unimportant, really, but it means something. And those old-school variety formats will not go away, will they? they, will I, I, th- well, Michael I, McIntyre. they never, I think Michael I mean, McIntyre's show is the really big, the, solid. I, mean, I think but it's, it's basically really good. an old house party again, yeah. isn't it? Basically. Exactly, yeah. but that's, that's the, the thing about entertainment is always best when it's pure. Because we want to be entertained, and we laugh at people falling over. We laugh at surprises. That's what we want. Well, we're going to continue uh, being uh, surprised and laughing at people falling over as we get uh, Jake and Stephen's predictions... <laughs> <laughs> along with some of our other regular guests after this. Hello, I'm Maggie Brown. I'm the media writer, veteran media writer and historian of Channel 4. Uh, and these are my predictions for the year ahead. I think that this attempt to create one simple online platform for the British public service broadcasters, led by the BBC, really, ITV, Channel 4 and Channel 5, it's going to take a lot of negotiation and I cannot predict that it's going to actually result in an outcome. It would be lovely if there were a simple place where you could simply go to, click on an icon and get a catch-up of all the best programming from British broadcasters. But there are so many rivalries and complications, not least differences in their funding models, that um, I wonder whether this attempt at Kangaroo 2 is going to actually be pulled off by anyone. The other problem with it is that uh, the the issue of rights to British-made programming is, as ever, rather fraught. And under the current system, a lot of those rights really would have to be renegotiated and cost an awful lot because the producers own them, not the broadcasters who broadcast them. I am interested in the future of um, ITV because uh, when you actually look at what's going on in the media sector, concentration is the name of the game. Of course, the supreme example is the fact that Sky is now part of Comcast and making a huge conglomerate, really, spanning certainly Europe and America and parts of the globe. So we have here our own public service broadcaster, ITV, very commercial, thriving, with a studio that is capable of creating and maintaining some very big formats and and, uh, other interesting programming across both entertainment, drama and factual uh, factual entertainment. So I do wonder whether at some stage, since American companies are allowed to bid for um, ITV, whether some form of takeover would take place. It's been speculated on and off for a long time, but given the state of the pound and the general uh, uncertainty surrounding uh, British media, then I, I, I can't myself believe that this thing that's held off takeovers, which is the regional commitments of ITV, are going to be a stumbling block in the future. But that's just uh, a prediction. I've got no candidates for, for takeover in mind, but that's one of my predictions. My final prediction, rather self-interestedly, is that um, my History of Channel 4, which is at the moment titled Four Steps Ahead, and will be, of course, bought and discussed and loved by everybody who's interested. 
I think it will come out in September, and that is the month when we expect that、um, the relocation, partial relocation of Channel 4's staff, 300 or so, starts taking place. With, of course, the the, the largest uh, number uh, going to or, or being recruited for、uh, a new national headquarters in Leeds, which I predict is going to be very close to the city centre and have a great big Channel 4 logo plastered all over it. The city is just thrilled to bits to have Channel 4, and is hoping to have a a very prominent <laughs> logo. Advertising the fact that it won this、uh, competition to to house it and、um, intends to use it really as one of the sparks to ignite、uh, its media industry further in in, in Leeds. Uh, let's kick off by welcoming back two of our guests from the last episode of last year. It's almost as if we recorded this at the same time. It's Rebecca Gilly and Faraz Osman. Rebecca, here's what you predicted for 2018. We're going to revisit your predictions from last year.、Uh, you said、uh, Netflix is going to win a major Oscar、uh, after four nominations for Mudbound. Yeah. Was I right? It's been so long.、Uh, Icarus did win best documentary. That was their documentary yes, about drug、did. use in cycling. Yes, but I don't know if that counts as a major. I... You meant Whoa,、uh, documentaries、on. are very in now. Yeah, major Oscar. I mean, I think you meant one of the big four, surely.、Um, I didn't say what I meant, which means <laughs> that now, upon reflection, I can say that obviously I was thinking about Icarus from the start. I suppose the point is, it's not a ludicrous trend idea, is it? Because if, if I win an Oscar for best documentary, I'm definitely not calling you. It's <laughs> like <laughs> Oliver. It's, not, it's like you're my mum. It's not a major Oscar, is it, son? <laughs> <laughs>、uh, your second prediction was that data journalism is going to be an even bigger trend. It's the best way to give audiences neutral facts and prove objectivity. Yeah, I feel that. That's. I think that was a good one, wasn't it? Do you have a data journalist at the week?、Uh, no, we don't. We don't have that kind of project. But、mm. um, I think that's definitely something that you know. That's kind of the direction that we would probably look to move in. I did notice that a new data journalist of the year category was introduced at the Vodacom Awards. So someone else agrees with you that it's a burgeoning field. Yeah, I think so. And、um, <laughs> I can never say her name out loud. Carol Cadwallader. Yeah.、Uh, that was one of the things that was highlighted. What was the award she won? I can't remember the name. She's basically won like every journalist of the year prize, hasn't she? She's basically won every award, and、yeah. they've made. And I suppose you could call it data journalism. Yeah, it absolutely was data journalism,、yeah. and I think. Sort of gonna... stop stealing our data journalism. Yeah, I'm going to take that one. <laughs> sorry, sorry to be like. Ignorant, but when you say data journalist, do you mean like journalists that report on data, or like robots making news articles? That, Neither. We're terrified of that second eventuality. We try not to discuss that. That's basically inevitable, isn't it?、Um, yeah, using using data.、Um, I, I think I remember saying that it was in, this, <laughs> in the era of fake news, where everything is being you know portrayed as. Influenced by agendas, etc., etc. Like data is one of the few ways that you can still put your facts、oh. on the table and say this is definitely true. So it's like the new freedom of, of information kind of、yeah. goldmine that that created. Yeah, yeah. And specialists who used to make pie charts and Venn diagrams and were seen as being a bit nerdy are now actually important to places like the BBC and Channel Four News. Yeah, data has got very sexy. Yeah. Okay.、Apparently. And your third prediction for last、mm. year was itself, I think, a bit bland. But you did say. 2018 is going to be the year podcasts go mainstream. Yep, I've yeah, I stand by it. I mean, it's like there wasn't it's like a breakout. No, no, I'm not. Me, but I'm you not. work in podcasts, or you know, even, <laughs> sitting in an ACAS building, shiny ACAS building. Ragged me about this at the time, and he's come back a year later to resume it. I think the the yes, unsexy truth about podcasting、yes. is there's been slow, steady growth for about the last 13 years, apart from once when there was a spike during serial. So did that happen last year? Like I'd say no, but the steady growth has has 
accelerated and lots of brands and companies have got on board, BBC Towns and that sort of thing. the way that it's grown exponentially is that a lot of money is now being put into it and a lot of attention from big companies is going into it in a way that wasn't so much done before. You're seeing loads more partnerships now between um, companies and podcast makers. So I think that maybe we haven't actually seen it from like the consumer end, but I think behind the scenes, a lot of money and resources being shifted to podcasting. I, 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 th- I think uh, I think actually when it comes to the production of podcasts and you know, you've got celeb, more and more, celeb, basically every celeb is now doing a podcast. It's kind of part of your what your agent gets you to do as soon as you mm-hmm. sign on. Jamie Oliver over Christmas. No, it doesn't surprise me. Everyone who's got a name is is trying to do a podcast now. What, what we need to see, and this is kind of me jumping the gun slightly with predictions for next year but I, I do think that we need to see some sort of like Netflix slash you know aggregator that's not just Apple podcast but actually is is a space that people subscribe to and then they can use it as this discovery engine um, and we haven't got that yet and once we have that then we'll I think we'll start seeing because all the content's there all the quality's there there's so much good stuff and like there is in television but there's not a brand like Netflix that you people can subscribe to and then use that as a great discovery engine and actually I mean uh, as far as mentioned we're sitting in Acast's studios at the moment. Acast are a podcast network. They do mm-hmm. successful uh, dynamic advertising. But actually, they're also a podcast app, which hasn't been as successful. You know, they, they were supposed to be a rival to Apple Podcasts and the like, and then they're not really. And there are other entrants in the field as well. Entail, for example, there are apps out there that are supposed to be equivalents. And Spotify tried to do it. Spotify, and, and have made a reasonable dent in the market, but why is there not? Um, I think the majority of people who listen to podcasts aren't necessarily just... I think it's expanded out. I think originally a lot of people who listen to podcasts were relatively, you know, from a relative niche. They weren't, they were, you know, quite tech savvy. I think it's expanded out now to people who, the majority of whom are happy to listen on the app that comes with their phone or Spotify because, you know, they've already got Spotify for music. So that does make it a bit harder to persuade people that they should download a specific app. Okay, that's what you talked about last year. What's your big prediction, having established your credentials (laughs) for 2019? I, my, I've got an optimistic one, mm-hmm. which is I think that mainstream, what they used to call, I don't know if they still, if we still call it that now, terrestrial TV, <laughs> yeah. appointment viewing is coming back in. Okay, bold. Yes. I think a few years ago, there was a very definite sense that it, we were seeing the death of appointment viewing mm. and water cooler dramas, etc. because everyone was watching Netflix, Amazon Prime. People weren't watching the same stuff as each other anymore, or they were just binging it. So you couldn't even talk about it with your friends because they were on a different episode. Um, and then I think it kind of, I think this kind of revival started kind of with stuff like The Fool and Luther got people into watching, you know, got people back into those kind of dramas that you talk about with your friends and young people. I mean, I'm talking specifically about young people, really, because, you know, for older people, that has never gone away. Um, but I think this year, you've really seen a really strong year for week-to-week ma- mainstream TV viewing. Is that for us actually about the mechanic of delivery or... Is it just about strong commissioning? I mean, BBC One had a really good year last year, didn't they? So, I, so, so my feelings on this is that what's happened is that the, the schedule, as in this is primetime viewing, this is daytime viewing, this is what you watch in the morning, that's gone, right? And I don't think that's coming back. What's happening now is I mean, that... Homes Under the Hammer is still on. Well, no, well it's interesting to see if it's on for much longer. But, but what I think is happening now is, is that Release, something being released or being dropped. Like I get a WhatsApp message from Netflix telling me the new episode of Riverdale's on today. So I'm going to go home and watch the new episode of Riverdale. Um, and 
that but I'm not having to watch it at nine o'clock tonight mm. but I am going to watch it today and I'm going to avoid spoilers until that's happened Game of Thrones gets put on Sky Atlantic in the middle of the night because they have the same rights to TX it as soon as it goes out in America but no one watches it till 10pm or they'll record it and, and watch a couple of episodes back to back Love Island's the same I don't actually think people are watching Love Island at the same time people are recording it and then fast forwarding through the adverts or bits that they don't like but they're watching it on the day and I think that's what's going to happen and, and ITV put out a brief this week saying they want more strip shows like Love Island which is where you have like one episode a day The Bodyguard was obviously a, a massive hit for the BBC Killing Eve is the same mm. where, where people wanted to watch it in, in the moment but that moment is not necessarily when your clock hits nine o'clock that, that moment is that day or, or at least those, those, past, those few days when it's released Okay but in a year's time Rebecca how do we test whether your prophecy has been accurate I mean what are you talking about here yeah, are you talking true. about it's a TV show getting what 15 it's, million It's quite subjective um, I just think that the main TV shows are last year that everyone was talking about like we were saying stuff like Killing Eve even things like um, The Cry these were all programs that were being broadcast through a medium that a few years ago people were saying was basically dead to young people um, I think you've seen companies like Netflix but also you know even BBC and stuff uh, you know trialed some like dropping a whole series at once but I think you're seeing companies kind of pulling back from that now I think there was a definite idea that people can't tolerate waiting a week anymore you have to cater to this new appetite to have everything straight away and I think that companies have started to see the benefits of holding back and just releasing you know just releasing things on a more traditional schedule because then you get the massive social media push of everyone watching it at roughly the same time and commenting on it and the buzz that generates maybe being worth more to them than the immediate impact of releasing all of And whichever show does cut through in this traditional way mm-hmm. it's going to be one isn't it that basically has the production values of a big Netflix drama I mean that's the other thing isn't it when people talk about oh BBC One had a good year but all of those shows The Cry Killing Eve mm-hmm. Wonderlust Mrs Wilson da 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 the bodyguard they they all sort of felt a bit like because they were massive international co-productions they all felt like big glossy dramas yeah and it's, it's i think that it's going to keep going in that direction which is really positive and it's kind of a self-sustaining circle because it's not positive for everyone though is it i mean think about itv i, I was watching oh. vanity fair with my wife so I, I read vanity fair at university i don't mind a costume drama on a sunday night i sat down thinking oh brilliant new vanity fair and we gave it literally seven minutes and the production values just didn't look high enough. Did you say they got absolutely pilloried because there were PVC windows visible in one establishment right. shot? But you could tell, <laughs> isn't it? You, you get an absolute radar for it now. You watch the first seven minutes, you think, well, this is fine. This yes. would have been fine in the 90s. You're, you're, it's just not good enough. No, you are completely right because it's a self-perpetuating circle, right? Because you know BBC can make a programme. You know, they can invest all this extra money in it that they might not have done a few years ago. And they know that they can sell it to Netflix. Mm. And make some of that money back, but but if you're if Netflix aren't interested in buying what you're making, then you are still stuck being outstripped by rivals, and you can't really compete on that kind of level financially. But I think there's a difference between something being lavish and something being like having good production values. Having good production values shouldn't just be about money; it should be about the thought and care that's gone into making that show. Um, and you know, The Crown obviously has tip things into a particular space. What Amazon are, be do- are going to be doing with Lord of the Rings um, series that they're bringing out is going to be lavish and extravagant and huge and ridiculous. But there well, is... So the- you assume... Well, I mean, the, who the knows? Budget. Maybe it'll be a Mike Lee style low budget. <laughs> well, I want to know who's fucking <laughs> the money then. But you know, there, there can be a Mike Lee style drama that feels like it's really stripped back and and has a a real emotional feel to it, and that's what what makes it work. Um, and and there are there are series that have, that have come out. I mean, I'm, I'm going to reference people just do nothing just because it's finished recently. That's an amazing show. 
you know, you can argue about whether or not the production values are the same as a American comedy series or a, you know, a Netflix comedy series or whatever. It doesn't need to be because it's brilliantly written and it's brilliantly put together. Okay, Faraz, time to hold you to account for last year's I mean, I tried to sound clever in the last 15 minutes and now all these <laughs> predictions are going to come out and it's going to be terrible. Last year, you predicted the Disney-Fox deal will have a massive impact on audiences. Y- yeah, well, it did because it didn't happen and it still <laughs> had a massive impact on audiences. I-, I think as part of that, I also said that some stuff was going to be taken off streaming services, which it has started happening. Yeah, the, the so Marvel deal disappearing from Netflix. Yeah, so, so a lot of stuff has disappeared from Netflix. The Marvel deal still exists on, on Netflix and I think that, that will that will expire soon obviously disney plus has now been announced and and that's going to have an impact um actually i missed that disney plus yes is that the app finally of their that's what they're that's what they're going to call it what a great name disney (laughs) plus um at least not i disney um and is that different to the one that they had in the uk anyway Disney Life. Disney Life. I'm going to shrug my shoulders, like, audibly. Yeah. Um, uh, I, don't, I don't know what they're going to do with Disney Life and if it's going to be, going to be wrapped into that. But Disney um, Plus Dis- is the international... Yeah, Disney Life is... From my understanding of Disney Life, and full disclosure, my wife used to work for Disney, but my understanding of Disney Life was that it was an app for everything that Disney do. So mm. books and, you know, you, it had association with some of the parks and was going to give you other stuff, not just video content. Mm-hmm. Disney Plus, I think, is a streaming networking service that may or may not consume Hulu. Um, uh, and, and that's still kind of up in the air. But it has got a name and it is going to have their, all their content on it and it's going to launch with all of their films. That's going to be their big takeaway with that. But, I mean, I'm a Sky Q subscriber. Mm-hmm. And despite the fact that Disney didn't get to own Sky in the end, they are going to get to own Fox. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like for that reason, maybe they had a really close relationship Correct. with Sky. Because there's a whole raft of Disney stuff you can download on Sky as it is. I, I think I think, look, I think this Comcast and, and Sky deal is, is slightly worrying from an end user point of view. Because in the UK, Sky Q is so good. And, and their content deals are so good. And if you want to, if you're a SkyCube subscriber, you know, they've done this deal with Netflix now where everything is all put under one system. They are absolutely killing it. And the Disney but, stuff has like 40 Disney films at yeah. any time. That's an acquisition deal as opposed to kind of a, um, a, 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 uh, an interface deal. SkyQ is an interface. It me off getting the Disney app. I wouldn't need it. I've got a three-year-old. He's got 40 films to choose from. Don't need the Disney app. Of what on Sky Q or yeah. you mean? Yeah, but you don't know if that, that stuff is going to stay on Sky Q right, or if yeah, they're going to so pull it off and might. put it on Disney Plus. Yeah. Like that's still up in the air, and it depends how long they've signed those deals for. I wish I knew what the, what Sky contracts were and how long they signed deals for, but unfortunately, I'm not privy to that sort of information yet. Um, but the um, but the technology that Sky have is absolutely brilliant. It's, it's particularly when you compare it to what's going on in America and what Comcast do in America, where they are one of the most complained, or if not the most complained about company in America. So it's going to be interesting to see if Sky and Sky Q and all of the stuff that they do is going to push America to have a better service or if we're going to be held back because we're now going to have Comcast as as the people that's going to be delivering us stuff. Okay, you also predicted that Channel 4 will make moves to the regions, which they sort of did, didn't they? They Yes, we mean sort of did. They they absolutely did. moved yet, have they? That's what I mean. But they have announced that they will, so that was right. Yeah, And, Um, and in a big way as well. And you said that, and I quote you here, for which I apologize, the Google Facebook clusterfuck will continue. Uh, namely that they'll have to stop users on their platforms doing whatever they want due to diminishing trust. So I think that that was particularly related around video content. Mm-hmm. So YouTube Red is now in a weird space where it's where it exists but doesn't exist. But the public don't really know it does. The public, yeah. Well, no, it's not just that, but they are now going to make all of their originals like available 
to um, to anybody is my understanding, and they're going to have a, they're going to move back to an advertising model. What's happened with Logan Paul is has been an absolute disaster for them, and I can't remember if that was at the end of last year or I think it actually happened during the year this year. Um, and you know we've had this weird thing going on with with boxing matches between KSI and and Logan Paul. Um, YouTube is now the the rewind that they did a few weeks ago is now the most disliked video that has ever been put on on YouTube. So there is certainly a backlash happening in that space. I think that, that Facebook Watch has, they've, they've scaled back, it feels like they've scaled back on that slightly and it's not as noisy as people expected it to be. Um, and all of that is because, you know, we keep seeing executives being hauled in front of, um, uh, of select committees and, and, uh, and in, in front of Congress. Too. Very elegantly defended, but I mean, they haven't actually stopped users doing whatever they want, have they? They may have made it so that there's clearly two channels. You know, one is more professional and, and shiny and one is, is user-generated. But I, users can still do I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, Alex Jones was, was deplatformed or whatever you might want to call it. You mm. know, he doesn't, he's, he's now lost his, his Twitter ch- channel. He's now lost his, um, his, his Facebook presence. And, and they are making steps to kind of, you know, and, and the same is true with Logan Paul. He was given lots of, he was going to be given lots of money by YouTube Red to make his own stuff. PewDiePie had the same issue, like, you know, with the whole thing that happened with him. Um, and and they've, they've pulled back from that. And I would imagine, and I'll have no evidence of this, but I would imagine that they are not promoting that stuff as heavily. And certainly when you look at th- things like Rewind, KSI, Logan Paul, PewDiePie, none of those people appear on on those marketing videos that are very much sent to advertisers. So they are trying to put them in a in a in a box and whether or not it's going to work is is another question. Okay, and you also said that hashtag me too will continue to have an impact on the kind of content being produced. That's definitely true, right? I should say as well, at this point, uh, Rebecca has just left. So it's it not a me too reason. We're not, yeah, we're not gonna talk about me too and not have a woman in the room deliberately. <laughs> she genuinely <laughs> just left. And we turned the mics off for a second. But um yeah, do you think that's true? And what's an example of, of content that's been produced do you think in the shadow of me too well I, I think that what's just happened with the oscars is is part of that and i know it's not That's quite true. the same okay. because so it's, the oscars a, it's host stepping about, down. yeah and I, you know with, with kevin hart being effectively twittered off off being hosting the, <laughs> the oscars you know that's that is part of this whole you know world that we live in now where um where we have to go back and see the the uh, what's happened and, and what they've done and see if they're acceptable to to host awards there's also um uh, stuart gunn is is no longer going to be directing guardians of the galaxy um you know obviously the film is going to be made but is he going to make it you know, I don't. Maybe I'm stretching a little bit, but I do think that there are certain people that that are going to have a harder time making films. And obviously, what's happened with House of Cards as well. Mm. You know, and and that series hasn't actually worked. It's that last series. So I gave up. Know. I never thought I would ever. Give I've up not actually started watching it yet. Do you know? I was like, when it started, I was like, okay, it's become a soap opera and it's less serious. But I'm okay with that because I like Robin Wright. And by episode six, I was just like, I don't know what's going yeah, on. I don't care shame. anymore. That's a shame. But having said that. There are lots of really great dramas and great programming with female, strong, strong female leads um, that aren't necessarily playing stereotypical female characters. They just happen to be female and they're, they're brilliant at what they're doing. And, you know, Killing Eve and Bodyguard and uh, in, just as examples in the UK, that we're seeing a lot more stuff where people are getting opportunities and, and hopefully that will continue in 2019. OK, predictions then, really? please. So I've got, um, I've got a, a one and a half prediction and I'm going to really stick my neck out here. Uh, I have no evidence based on this. It's just what I think is happening. Um, it's about Apple. So I think Apple are probably going to buy a studio. And it may, if some people are saying it's Sony, which seems to make sense to me. Um, and I think that that's got to happen. If, Why? If, Why has it got to happen? Because Apple, so much money. The, the, reason, the reason is, well, for Apple, it isn't that much money. But Apple, if they want to play in this video space, they are so far behind that they need brands. 
um, to to get them there. And and Breaking Bad, you know, when it, if they did make a play for Sony, that would give them Spider Man. It would give them Breaking Bad. It would give them. Um, a comedy show that I can't think of right now that's absolutely massive. Um, but it would give them lots of known brand things that's, that's a back catalogue and, um, and has a, you know, a wide breadth of content. And do what with it? Because that's the thing, well, we still don't be, know, do we, what Apple well, so that's, and that's where I'm, I'm coming on to my second part. But, but, but what that means is that they then have a reason for you to go to them because you recognise the brands. And that's going to be important in their first stage before they get to their originals. And it's the model that both Netflix and Amazon use. You know, for a long time, Netflix didn't have any original content. You know, when Lilyhammer first came out, it was this weird experiment that people were like, what is this? And, you know, it, it wasn't actually very good. Um, and now you just assume that Netflix are a, a massive content creator. Mm. That's certainly not how that business started. And then they would never have succeeded if they started in that way. So I think what Apple are actually doing is that they're going to do, start doing video content. But I don't think that they're doing it as a new subscription model. I don't think it's going to be a rival to Netflix and, and Amazon. I think what they'll do is that they're going to roll it into Apple content. You have a better name than that. But they'll, they'll look Apple at... Apple Music Plus, basically. It will basically, basically be Apple Music. It will be Apple News. It will be... Um, uh, they bought a, a app called Texture, which is their magazine platform, mm-hmm. and it will be Apple Video. And when you get your device, you will have an option, like you do with your storage platform. I think some, a lot of people probably pay 79p for like mm. 10 gig, extra gigs of storage. You will be able to pay a recurring fee to Apple to access a lot of content. And with the amount of install based subscription have, service by any other it's, a, it's, it's Amazon it, it's Prime, not, isn't it? But it's not a video subscription service. And it's ah, important but, to... But, it's, but that's, it's an important distinction because I think a lot of people so think So it's the that, Amazon model... It is the Amazon model. It's closer to the Amazon model in the sense that Amazon give you next day delivery. Apple are saying, hey, you bought one of our phones. We can now now give you content. And if you're into magazines or if you're into video or if you're into news or if you're into music, we've served you across everything. That, I think, is going to be the play. It is going to launch this year at some point, but I'd be very surprised if it's a standalone video service. Give us one more. I, I think that, that I think that Tony Hall is is probably going to step down. Um, it's mm. you know it's twenty twenty nineteen is going to be a weird year across the media landscape because we don't have the Olympics. There is no football. Uh, I know you're not a huge football fan, but it has a massive impact when it comes to television and particularly when it comes to British broadcasting. Um, there's no Euros. There's no you know it's going to be a strange year because there's going to be no big event, as it were. We're not going to well, have a Brexit. Wedding. I mean, that's going to drive TV ratings, isn't it? Is it going to drive TV ratings? I think that'd be, you know, it, it may, it, it, I don't know if it'll drive TV ratings, I think it'll drive people crazy. If we have a second referendum or we have another general election, that that may have an impact. But, but not I'll, like a World Cup in your uh, view. Yeah, and I don't, I'd be, I'd be interested to see what, it, what a general election does to TV ratings. Um, I don't know, you know, there's a few debates here and there, um, but there's certainly not a sustained period of day-by-day, week-by-week content that's okay, something like why is this relevant to Tony Hall stepping Because out? I think it's a good time for him to then move on. Um, because, a bit quiet between negotiations yeah, exactly, on the licence fee. Uh, exactly. And, and you know, it's, there's, there's, there's not a big, a big thing going on. And he's had a good tenure. Um, uh, it's, you know, you can't even remember when John Enwistle had his, all, all of his drama, which Tony Hall kind of mm. came into. George, George Enwistle. Sorry, George Enwistle. See, there you go. That's terrible. That terrible. I can't even remember his name. <laughs> God, that's, that's awful. Um, but I think pre- I can, I've even forgotten that he was the... Precursor to Lord Hall, actually. I believe so. I think there was a caretaker DG right, in between. Yeah. Um, and then and we're going to get a woman, do you think, finally? I mean, I think if it's, not, I think if it's not Charlotte Moore, I think that would be a real shame. I think she's paid her dues and she's she's definitely understands the BBC and has done a really amazing job with BBC One um, and, uh, and, and feels like she's very much in the frame for that job. Um, so, so, I mean... I don't know who the next DG is going to be because, as you can never really know, but I, I certainly think that, that, that Tony Hall will start making signals that he's going to move on. 
Hi, I'm Steve Ackerman. I'm the Managing Director of Something Else. So I've got here in front of me the predictions I made last year. Um, I'm quite pleased with these, actually. So I said our big-name talent will start to turn down radio broadcaster offers in order to create their own podcasts and generate income. And uh, I think I kind of got that one right when you look at uh, what's happened with people like Semtex and Charlie Sloth and also, obviously, people like Gary Lineker going and creating their own very successful podcast and Danny Baker. So that one I'm giving myself a mark for. Uh, the second thing I said was a big brand will fund a Saturday night entertainment show. Didn't get that one right. Uh, I'm not sure that's going to come true in the near future, so uh, no marks out of 10 for that one. And then the third one I said, which is maybe a bit of an easy shoeing, but I did say newspapers decline will accelerate as ad money moves, and uh, that one I'm definitely giving myself a mark for as well. So I'm saying I got two out of three right there, which is which is not bad. I'm, I'm quite happy with that. Um, in terms of my predictions for this year, three predictions, the first one is that there, there will be an accelerated and um, pretty significant reinvention in Adland in terms of uh, some of the significant ad agencies. We've obviously had the disruption uh, within WPP uh, in 2018, but what we're now starting to see is the disappearance of some uh, heritage brands like uh, J. Walter Thompson, and that's going to continue and accelerate as more agencies emerge to form um, single entities and as the big holding companies um, like WPP and Denso Aegis uh, reduce the amount of agencies that they have, all the hundreds and hundreds of agencies. So I think we're going to see some pretty famous names uh, in terms of ad land disappear as they as they get merged. Second prediction is that short-form storytelling on social media is going to rise to the fore even more. Uh, so Instagram stories is going to continue to, to, to move at a pace. Uh, I think we're probably also going to see progress from TikTok, which is what was musically, but has now been renamed. So I think that's going to help help the march of short form storytelling within social media. And one little side prediction around social media is I think we're going to see the continued demise of Snapchat and uh, it, its continued march into, uh, I hate to say it, but but potentially uh, a slightly irre- irrelevant position. Um, and then my third prediction is really around podcasting uh, because I just think 2019 is going to pick up on the momentum that um, podcasting had in 2018. It's going to be a massive year. And I think particularly for UK podcasters. So I think we're going to see continued aggressive growth for podcasting as the audience continues to to increase very, very quickly. I think we're going to see a big scripted podcast hit come out of the UK. I know that some of the big TV production companies are now looking at creating scripted podcasts. There's a lot of companies like my own who are looking at this space. And I, I think we're going to see a UK company um, produce something quite significant in this space. I also think we're going to see some big global hits come out of UK businesses as well. So we're going to see um, UK companies produce podcast hits that are going to have great success in the US or Australia or some of the other key podcast markets. And those are my predictions for 2019. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And we're back with Jake and Stephen. Jake, you predicted last year a breakup of the Murdoch media empire, but Ooh. but but specifically that Disney would take ownership of Sky. <laughs> so the first part of that was a bit facile, and then the second part I got wrong. So bit of a failure there. <laughs> How strongly did you believe it at the time that it was oh, an I think the ru- done deal with Disney? The rumors, oh, the rumors about Disney then were 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 loud and clear. It looked like Disney was going to do the deal right up to the last last breath of that that negotiation. It wasn't even a rumor, was it? It was yeah. a photo call between yes, Bob Iger yeah, and Rupert Murdoch. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, did yeah, anyone see Comcast coming? Yeah, I mean, Comcast were there or thereabouts for 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 a number of months, and it was a knockout bid that won it. You also predicted that Tony Hall <laughs> would either quit as head of the BBC or timetable his departure, suggesting Charlotte Moore would be the early frontrunner to succeed Hall. Uh, so Tony Hall's done neither of those things <laughs> for obvious reasons. He's still there. Uh, he he clings on, and uh, from what I hear, is is pretty happy at the moment. Actually, uh, the BBC's had a, a period of uh, real stability under Tony Hall. Um, it's always going to get buffeted around, and uh, and there are always going to be issues at the BBC. But relatively, it's been a period of calm and stability. And I think I think he's got one eye on seeing it through to the centenary. Stephen, would you like to chip in on that? Uh, I certainly think that the BBC are in a kind of golden moment at the moment. One of the worst things about working in telly is how often the BBC gets kind of battered and beaten up. But at the moment, it, it's, it's storming. It really is. It's BBC One, which is one of the hardest channels in the world to, to, to work on because you've got to appeal to everybody, is doing great guns all the time. It's the other channels that look weak. So, you know, why would you go anywhere if you're at the BBC at the moment? Just relax and enjoy it, because it's not going to last. Okay. <laughs> Jake, make some bold predictions for 2019, why don't you? Um, so, uh, one of my predictions was that I think we're finally going to learn uh, the the real scale of Apple TV, Apple's TV ambitions this year. iPhone sales are stagnating spectacularly, so much so that issu- uh, Apple issued its first uh, profit warning in 17 years uh, last week and it's got to find growth elsewhere and I think one of those areas is TV. What shape do you think uh, this Apple TV revolution is going to take? Well, I mean, Jay Hunt, the former chief creative officer at Channel 4, I mean, she's had her feet under the desk for, what, more than a year, I think. Uh, So we're probably going to start to see the fruits of her labour. I reckon that will be uh, maybe a big big commission, big big drama, uh, a big, uh, big... entertainment show possibly um, and Apple CEO Tim Cook hinted last year that there's a there's a project on the go uh, which we might well find out more about uh, this year. And do you get the sense Stephen that it's been good for British creatives that Jay Hunt's been at Apple? 
Definitely, but the the word on the street is nobody knows what they want. You know, from a, from a producer's perspective, you know, what does Apple want? We don't know. What does Google want? We don't know. It, 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 the talk is mainly of sort of viral type stuff or little things. You know, not traditional. Oh, really? That's what, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's a, there's a huge kind of gap in the in the knowledge of most producers when it comes to these big digital. Uh, beer moths or whatever they are. But what's this issue about who do you go and see? Well, this is it. Have they got commissioners? You know, Netflix now have commissioners in London, finally. Have you met them? No. I know who they are. I know who they are. I mean, there's, there's a step up, you know. But I used to have to deal with them on email in America. Mm. And then you look at the, and in that thing of you're looking at the, the, the Netflix uh, content and you have no idea what they're looking for. You cannot work out because it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And there's a little bit of that ignorance with Apple at the moment because they could take over the, or Facebook TV, you know what I mean? All these giants are sitting there on pots of money who could, you can, you know, take the TV industry and do what they like with it. And we're the TV industry, we don't know what they want. They're, or if they are talking to somebody, they're talking to odd people. And if it's a Netflix model, then it's high-priced dramas. Jake, the second prediction. So I'm going to go bold again and say another BBC TV channel moves online. Oh, no. Wow, <laughs> that is bold. See? Um, and I'm the right. Stephen's gasping. <laughs> oh, He's never well, seen the like of it before. I've just sagged in my chair. <laughs> I'm going to say BBC Four. I'm going to say Boom. BBC Four. Um, look, the BBC's a third of the way through saving £800 million. Uh, it needs to achieve that target by 2021, 2022. Deputy Director General Anne Bulford has said that um, it's not going to be possible to make those savings without some impact on services. Mm-hmm. And at the moment, as far as I can see, they're salami slicing. I think they me- need to make another big decision. And Do you know I how think- much that would save? I don't is the honest answer. I don't. I can't um, imagine BBC Four's that. But I mean, I know it's. I mean, it would probably channel. be roughly in the ballpark of what BBC Three saved, which was thirty to fifty million pounds. Uh-huh. Um, and I think with BBC Three, uh, although the BBC is losing younger viewers, and that, that's a real concern uh, and should not be glossed over, um, but BBC Three has shown that if you free a TV channel from the, from the, from the sort of straitjacket of schedules, you can have real creative success. And BBC Three has shown that with the likes of Fleabag and uh, This Country, you know, standout hits, BAFTA winning hits in their own right. Do you think, Stephen, what do you think? And even even more so, I mean, the BBC has said this week that they want to extend the iPlayer window to 12 months. And that, to me, is a sign that they are going to shunt more online. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it wouldn't be a shock if what Jake is suggesting is an outlook for what TV might look like in 10 years' time. Absolutely. But uh, it was deemed generally by a lot of people a bit early to have shut down BBC Three. And for the BBC Four audience, many of whom probably still aren't online, it's probably a bit early for them as well, isn't it? I mean, to me, it would be it'd be a tragedy to lose BBC Four to, to online, even though I do watch TV online. But it, but moving everything onto the iPlayer, moving, you know, if you if you you know, I got Sky Q a few weeks ago. It's all basically it's not not even schedules anymore. You just get samples or highlights or whatever. They, they're they're already curating what you should be watching. They're taking away from the tyranny of of the daily schedules. So that is definitely coming, definitely. But please don't take away BBC Four. Evil Jake I'm not saying Cantor. I want to happen. It's I'm you, just saying you this, this is a possibility. Media I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm spelling out the BBC's predicament, and uh, you know, somewhere along the line, it's, it's going to have to make a BBC another. regional places that nobody cares about. That would be the local radio stations. Yes, that entire no. communities. No, but I mean, you know, they, they spent millions, billions, and whatever going up to Manchester. They spent oh, there's them. money in all over the place. 
I don't know. A building, yeah, you can shut a building, that's fine. Um, okay, and another bold prediction, Jake. Uh, not so bold, this one. What? Uh, <laughs> Culture Secretary Jeremy Wright, he's got the unenviable task of, <laughs> uh, of, uh, of regulating the internet, and uh, I think he's going to give it a bloody good go this year in some form. Um, quite what form that will take is I don't know is anyone's guess you'd be a fool to bet against Ofcom taking on more responsibility the, the public service broadcasters particularly the BBC actually have been very um, vocal about the fact that they're sort of strapped up with lots of regulation including terms of trade and quotas whereas Netflix who are making a big play in this country have got zero red tape and they might look at rebalancing that, that playing field which would be difficult with an international company. It will be, it will be really, it? really difficult, and that's why I say it's, a, it's an unenviable task. Do you think we'll get a new culture secretary by the end of the year, though, more to the point? <laughs> Probably, almost certainly. No, Are we not getting I a mean, new look, government in the next six weeks? Yeah. Well, this is it. I mean, and as the senior positions move away, they start looking to the slightly more junior positions like culture secretary to raid from, don't they? That's what keeps happening. Um, okay, Stephen, big predictions from you. Let's go. Okay, they're not Jake's quite... Jake's laid the gauntlet down. I want big ones, please. They're not quite as... Someone as, in government's going to be tasked with forming new religion. That, well, my, my first, my first prediction is Gemma Collins, which shows which shows my sort of level of kind of interest in the media. No, Gemma, Gemma Collins, Collins is what? going to be taking over from Olivia Coleman. Olivia Coleman, we can forget her. Now. <laughs> Gemma Collins is going to become queen of all TV. Now She's not going to actually be in a new series of Broadchurch, though, is she? She may be. I would watch that. She's in Dancing on Ice. She fell over. That was it. That's all we need. Her in a spangly, you know, lame jumpsuit. So there's still room for new reality TV heroes in your view? Well, it's, what it is, is possibly trash TV. It's, it, you know, the other big hit over Christmas was the Bross documentary. Yes. Which shows that sort of NAF work, celebrity is still incredibly important. You know, that world of madness, celebrity madness, when done right, is compelling. Completely compelling. And so people like Gemma Collins is suddenly back on telly again. And you're like, what? You know, so is she the precursor to a new world of trash? You know, yes, I say. But is that phenomenon something that has legs beyond people laughing at a fat woman falling over? Well, because, I mean, you know, Dancing on Ice is slapstick, isn't it? But are people that interested in her really beyond that She was show? also in the Christmas altogether now, you know, the celebrity version of that, and she could actually sing. Okay. Second prediction is uh, what are the three top shows of the year? Wow. Okay, okay. this sounds bold. Okay. Jake's like interested. This. All right, we've got yeah. RuPaul's Drag Race, which essentially <laughs> is taking top? over the world. So ratings-wise, you genuinely think RuPaul's Drag Race can be a RuPaul's big hit. Drag Race has gone from nothing yeah. to a cultural phenomenon worth billions. It's, it's created an entire world of, of new entertainment. Um, and it sounds trashy. Again, I'm very trashy myself. But you watch it, it's the perfect reality show. Now, the fact that they're doing a BBC Three version is very interesting because whether they can do what the Americans can do, you know, that kind of faux sincerity and, oh, my God, and I nearly said this and bitch please and all the rest of it. You know, it doesn't sound the same in an English accent. <laughs> but that is going to be something to watch because if they can pull it off, that's it. We're going to go Gemma Collins and Drag Queen. But we're not far apart. You see you see where I'm going. No, but it. I want numbers on this. Okay. You're, saying, you're saying it's going to be a sensation, but, I mean, what? How many people? How many people? What's the success? Billions of viewers. It's Would you say it's going to be, for example, in the top three shows on BBC Three this year? If it gets the UK audience that watch RuPaul's Drag Race on, on demand, on the internet, etc., etc. Which we're not allowed to know how many it is. Well, no, but what I'm saying is the people who do, the, the, do whatever they can to watch it, you know, in the middle of the night, it, it, will, go, it'll, it'll, it will storm it. It really will go, go big. Um, what are your other two top performing shows of the year? I'm curious now. Well, The Crown coming back, yes. season three. Okay. And Game of Thrones. 
And that's The Crown with Olivia Colman, with Olivia Colman. not with Gemma Collins. Not with Gemma Collins. Just Gemma Collins is more like Series 6. <laughs> uh, OK, and, uh, and finally, Stephen. And finally, um, well, it's more of a dream than a prediction, and that is that <laughs> Netflix will somehow implode, because I read the other day they're introducing 90 new dramas. 90. Now, why do you want them to implode? Because I can't watch anything else if I'm watching all these new dramas on Netflix. It's like, it's too much. You know, it's like we just had Christmas where you eat chocolate all day and then after a while you get sick. That seems to me the kind of Netflix sort of dilemma. This sounds you know? like some sort of dystopian future you've created, whereby <laughs> if you become a Netflix subscriber, you have to watch every new thing that they cool. produce. Cool, that's exactly <laughs> it. That is exactly Paradox it. Paradox of choice. It's yeah. a known phenomenon, isn't it? it? Absolutely. I mean, you will spend like an hour flicking through things to choose something. You know, <laughs> ninety new dramas. It's just you, just you, ignore you go, some what? of them. That's two a week at least. <laughs> I know what you mean. There is, and also the other thing that happens—that autoplay thing that happens. Mm. I'd go as far to say that's irresponsible. Like, it's fine to say the next episode, like on Amazon, they say you've got 30 seconds to watch the next episode. But on Netflix, it starts yeah, in five. Four seconds, yeah. yeah. yeah it's and genius. Then, Everyone has copied it. It's, it's <laughs> genius because it makes you completely addicted to their product. But it's that isn't good for your mental health. Well, that, the, the, the CEO of Netflix has always said our biggest enemy is sleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What about yeah. that? You, you can't also, in the settings, by the way, I've noticed, turn off the thing where it starts playing a trailer when you're hovering over something. Oh, right, yeah. And I want to. I want to discuss yeah. with my wife, do you fancy watching that before the trailer starts? I mean, I, I was good, if, if Netflix could do one thing better, it would be summing up what shows are. Their little sort of blurbs are so bad that you, you have to look at them and you go, I don't, I don't know what this is about. Yeah, I do and wonder. Like they could make slightly more curated blurbs and synopsises and say if, you know... Because obviously there's an algorithm, if you watch this, you watch that. But there's so many things that mean are meaningless. You know what I mean? It, it, is, it is a quagmire of quality that you drown in. And it's, 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 sort of, it's hard work. Do you think there's an opportunity for more journalism about streaming services, Jake? Like, I mean, consumer journalism about what to watch. Because uh, Boyd Hilton was here talking about Pilot TV, that magazine that Bauer tried around this subject. Um, but it seems to me like people do have to kind of actually search to find guides about what to watch. Otherwise, you're yes. just looking at what people are saying on Twitter. I think there's plenty of plenty of good journalism around. I mean, I, I will always, before diving into a new series, I will always Google it and have a look at the reviews. And I, 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 that, to me, that serves me well. And I'll make a decision based on... Some, yeah, but the problem with some, that is they'll miss out quite a lot of, say, foreign language shows. You know, they, they'll, they'll, they'll talk about... You'll see a lot of American dramas, but you won't see the German drama. And it's in the, there, you know there is a, there is a real kind of somebody's discovered something then they tell somebody and then you know so for example one of the best shows in my that I've ever seen is on on Netflix which is a French show called Call My Agent now season three has just launched two days ago it's superb and it's a French channel uh, it's an ordinary French show it's brilliant but nobody knows about it and it's 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 become a word of mouth hit. You know what I mean? Because nobody's talking about it. No, no, no reviewer is previewing it or anything like that. They preview the big things, but the little gems are absolutely there to be discovered. Can you can you just uh, re-edit your prediction into something that I can hold against you no. this time next year? No, you, you can't. You just said it's a hope that Netflix implodes. That's nothing. <laughs> oh, give me a predict. Is the prediction that maybe there's a public backlash against this uh, okay. onslaught of choice? I think Netflix was, is going to lose its position of dominance. There we go. That's a stupid prediction. We can hold you again. <laughs> uh, thank you for everything this week. Uh, all my guests and Jake Cantor and Stephen D. Wright. If you like what we're up to here on the Media Podcast, you want to help us keep making it 
it, then do consider taking out a voluntary subscription. I mean, more than consider, just actually do it. Visit themediapodcast.com slash donate and select an amount to keep us going all year round. Uh, you can catch up with our previous episodes and get new ones as soon as they're released by subscribing for free on our website, themediapodcast.com. I've been Ollie Mann, the producer Rebecca Grisdale. Sherry, The Media Podcast is a PPM production and we'll be back with a new episode in two weeks' time. Until then, bye-bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.